Before we begin uh, the message this morning, I want to read some scripture for you. Uh, Just a couple things really quick. First of all, we don't talk about this every Sunday. We probably should, but uh, I don't bring this up every single Sunday. But uh, we're close to the end of the church year. Uh, Actually, uh, next week will be the one-year anniversary of me starting here, uh, which is kind of exciting. But at the end of the day, too, I was not camping, just so you know. I hope somebody counted you. But uh, I love being here, just so you know. But uh, we're close to the end of the church year. And I just want to thank you guys uh, from a financial perspective. You have funded the mission this last year. And so I just want to congratulate you. Thank you for your faithfulness. We do live in uncertain times, okay? And, uh, and I get that. And you guys have really seen through some stuff. So I just appreciate that. If you give, I uh, want to encourage everybody to participate. There's all kinds of different ways to give. You can give. There's a giving envelopes on the back of your seats, different things like that. You can put those in the box or the, the buckets in the back. Uh, you can also do it online through the app. And so we would just encourage you to do that. But uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And then the other side of that, too, is... Uh, This last week, we, well, tomorrow, and then uh, last week, I had the privilege of meeting with one of the directors of Free the Girls. That's one of the organizations that that we've partnered with through our Christmas offering. I was able to present them a check of 11,500 from you to help free girls all over the world. So thank you for that. Uh, This next week, housing opportunities that uh, assist homelessness. In, in the area, they're going to receive a check for 11500 and then also Liberty House Recovery Cafe is going to receive a check for 11500 11, $11, I literally just said 11500 I'm making up words on the fly. So, But uh, that's, that's what we're doing, and I just want to thank you guys. It's really a privilege to be able to serve others and serve with others, serve with others. I want to read for you Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. This is a little bit longer of a passage, and you'll see it on the screen. Uh, You're going to notice something if you were here last week or you listened online. Uh, The first three verses I'm going to repeat from last week, but it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient. Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except what he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth, in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, 
the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, thank you for your word today. Would you speak to our hearts? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So all three of our kids are almost adults. We have two that are in college, and then Bryson, our youngest, uh, will be 18 at the end of April. And um, everybody tells you when you have, like, little kids, hey, you know, make sure you don't miss it. It goes really fast. And because you're young when you have those little kids, you're like, oh, what do you know? And then all of a sudden, here we are, right? So at this time next year, for all intents and purposes, my wife and I will be kind of empty nesters, which I know that's a chuckle for some of you because you're like, yeah, no, they'll come back. Um, But uh, it's just weird to think of ourselves in that context. And what's really fun now, and I know some of you will appreciate this, is watching people with very, very young children right now and laughing a little bit on the inside just because of some of the things that, you know, you learn things. You learn things really quickly when you have little children, little tricks, little things, particularly when it comes to food, okay, when it comes to food. Now, Shelly and I learned when, when our boys were really little, if we wanted our kids to eat what we made for them, that you couldn't see, smell, or assume that dessert even existed. It wasn't allowed. Yeah, we, there was just no guarantee there was going to be dessert. That way it was just completely off of the radio. We did that for a reason. It's because those people in our house that started to rule our lives were children. They were children. So if you stick a donut and creamed spinach in front of a kid, what do you think is going to happen? Okay. And listen, there's always some smug parent, not my child. My child loves creamed spinach. Yeah, and your child will have a ton of friends growing up, too, I'm sure. So, <laughs> but all kidding aside, you can't blame a kid for being a kid, right? You put those things out in front of a kid, and a kid will do those things because that's just the, it's the essence of immaturity. And that's not meant as a slight. It's just a reality. Kids aren't mature enough to make those decisions, to make those right decisions for their benefit. And we, as adults, would never act like that, would we? Ever. We've been talking about how in a world of division, what it looks like for the church to reflect the opposite. What does it look like for the church to be one, to be unified? And last week we saw that this oneness in the church, it begins with a call. You see it on the screen. We are one, we as a church are one, when as individual believers, we live out the reality of the work of Jesus in our lives. Paul says in the Those first three verses, walk worthy of the call. We've received the gospel. We've been called to receive the gospel, and now we need to live a life that's in balance with that, that reflects that, that is worthy of that. God's given us this gift of salvation. The call is to live in a way that reveals the impact of that in our lives. And when we do that, our church does, and we live and we act as one. But then this week, what I want to look at is character. So it deals with a call, but then there's a character. We are one, we are one as a church, when a character of Christ-likeness is being formed in us. Well, what does that mean? We're going to get into that. Lacking this maturity, lacking this Christ-likeness, lacking this character of Jesus, divided we will fall. We will not act as one. 
um, like children at dinner. <laughs> the Ephesians that Paul is writing to here were really, really distracted. And uh, they were being pulled in different directions. They'd accepted the gospel. That was a reality. They were followers of Jesus. But they chased things that didn't provide, provide for them the nourishment to mature. I want you to remember those words for a bit. The nourishment to mature. So the result was, as they were divided, they weren't one. They weren't functioning right. Parts of the body were disjointed. Paul spends parts of that scripture talking about how the parts of the body are supposed to operate as one, and God's given all kinds of different parts for different reasons, but they all move together as one. But what was going on in the Ephesian church is there was a lack of maturity in some, and that meant the parts didn't fit together well. Like, you know, if, if, if I was born with, I was born with two feet. I have two feet. Let's imagine one of them, though, I don't know, something happened and it didn't form and it didn't, uh, didn't mature. It didn't, it didn't grow and became stunted in its growth while my other foot was just fine. After a while, you're going to be able to tell, right? I'm going to limp when I walk. But if that isn't corrected, if that's not brought up to speed, what begins to happen is my joints start getting out of whack and my back becomes misaligned and pretty soon that one affects the whole body and the body doesn't function as it should under the one head that's what's going on in this situation paul's trying to help them flesh out what it means to function as one to function as one all the parts functioning because they're all working towards the same thing they have a goal in mind and that goal is the character of christ that's everybody's goal in the Ephesian church. That's, that's what he's moving them towards, is that they would be one because they're chasing a maturity in Christ, a character of Christ in their own lives. Now, he's not talking about uniformity. I want to make sure we understand this. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate about that video uh, that plays before these sermons in this series is it talks about, this is not talking about you changing your opinion, Okay. This, this means bringing everything that we do and say and think under the lordship of Jesus so that he forms that opinion, okay? That's where that begins. And I want to make sure that we understand this isn't about everybody has to be kind of this one cut and dry, this is what it looks like kind of a thing. Paul's not talking about uniformity. Not everybody is a mouth, okay? Think about the body. Not everybody's a mouth. If everybody was a mouth, who would hear what was said? Not everybody's an ear, okay? If that were the case, there'd be no truth to listen to because it wouldn't be spoken, okay? So we are all different. We know that. We bring different things to the table. The unifying factor, though, is the same central pursuit, maturity, character in Christ, okay? So Paul makes a really, really bold statement here. He says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ until we all become like Jesus, like Jesus. Now, there are people that God has tasked 
to equip the church to become mature in Christ. Now, there's all kinds of expectations that people tie to those five things that, that Paul just identified there. That's for another day. But there is one universal truth about these five types of people that Paul just identified here. They exist for one reason. And one reason only, to equip believers to be like Jesus. To grow up believers so that we are all one in faith. That's it. So it goes to, to say then, if, if people are not becoming more like Jesus, a character that Paul described way back in the first three verses as humble, gentle, patient, full of love, then something's off if that is not what believers are becoming. If we don't reflect the righteousness, the holiness inherent in a new life in Christ, then what is being chased or being taught or whatever it is that we're pursuing is not producing maturity. Are you following me here? It's not producing maturity, it's malnourishment. And in that malnourishment, the body becomes divided. It does not operate properly. Now, you and I live at a time where <laughs> you can Google anything you want when it comes to religion, and in seconds, you can find it. You can find it. How many of you have ever done online grocery shopping? That was kind of the thing that just really ramped up during you know, lockdowns and different stuff. You, you open up your phone, you open up your computer, you open up your cart, you go to Meyer or whatever, and pretty soon you can just pick and choose whatever you want and drop it into your cart. Let's say you, want, you need some yogurt, and you don't like brands one and two, but you do like brand three, so you pick brand three and you put it in your cart. You tried once, one before, but it gave you cramps or something, I don't know. But you, you want number three, right? You like that brand of yogurt, and then there's 17 different brands of bread. And so you can go through, ooh, I like that one. It's high fiber, whatever. I, who knows? But you pick the things that you want that suit the tastes that you have, and then you can do all of this kind of stuff. And what's amazing about that is you can click buy it. You don't even have to transact any money. You just put your card in there, all that kind of stuff. You can pull up, and there's even times when you don't even have to get out of your car. They will just bag that thing up and bring it right to you. You can pop the trunk. With a button, they put it in the trunk, shut it, wave goodbye, and you drive off with everything that you have specifically wanted and ordered and picked and chosen. Okay, to pastor any church in the year 2022 feels like that. It feels like that. People pull out their phone. I'm going to subscribe to this teacher. I'm going to subscribe to this pastor. I'm going to follow 12 different churches. I'm going to listen to all these podcasts, all these teachings. We don't even think about this at this point. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going to make sure I subscribe to the Spotify channels that play the things that I like and the music that I like, and, and that's my brand, and that's my flavor. And then, of course, you got to join all the right Facebook groups and follow the Instas that give me the daily dose of what I'm looking for on any given day, which is nice because anytime any of those don't give me what I want and what I'm looking for, I can just unsubscribe, Right? I can just unlike and go searching for the next one. And if I really want to do it, I can just kind of cobble together and I can build a customized faith that is good for me, that a customized faith that builds me up, a church of me. I can build that. 
Now, I'm being facetious. But unless what we consume, whatever it is, translates to Christ-likeness that builds the body of Christ up, the church will stumble. The church will fall short in fulfilling its mission. Now, thankfully, Paul gives us some instruction here. He really does. And it's a really good time to kind of go through a reminder here. So I have a responsibility as your pastor. As does any person who's in a staff position in this church, any person who leads, if you lead a small group or a life group in this church, if you lead a Bible study, if you work in the coffee house, we all have this responsibility to see people in our church be formed into people who love God, love people, and serve the world. We are in the formation business. That's what we do. We're in the business of forming people, people who reflect the character of Jesus. So in our preaching, in our discipleship, small groups, worship, service, Bible studies, prayer groups, youth ministry, children's ministry, all of those things, it's all formation. Whether we're intentional about it or not, we're forming people to be something, to do something. What are we forming people to be? What are we forming people to do? I spoke with our staff about this on Wednesday. Uh, You have a great group of people, just so you know. Uh, It's a real huge privilege to be able to to work with them and humbling to be able to be considered their leader. Um, But I spoke to your staff about this on Wednesday. The decisions that we make and the things that we choose to do in our ministry areas need to lead people to Christ-likeness. Everything that we do needs to move people to love God, love people, and serve the world. Uh, Knowing this, if you haven't figured this out, (laughs) I take this really kind of personally. I do. Um, and, and seriously, who we say we are, who we are becoming, how we are becoming, who we are becoming are big deals to me. Last February, I stood here on this platform uh, during my installation as your pastor. And I made a commitment to you, and I spoke to what Paul speaks to here in this passage. And I spoke to this for a reason. And the reason is this. And you might have seen this online this last week on Facebook. Unity from maturity in Christ is a byproduct of something. If we're going to be unified, if we're going to be one because we're all pursuing the same character that is Christ-like, it's the result of something. Speaking the truth in love. The truth in love. My commitment to you is to speak the truth in love. Now, Until, Paul says, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That is my goal, that we would become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we are one when a character of Christ-likeness is being formed in us, all pursuing the same thing, being more like Jesus. Now, there's such a part of me, this sermon did not come easy this week, trust me, um, I wanted so desperately to be able to say, all right, so what does the character of Christ look like that we should all be pursuing? And then here's our list of 10 things, or let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those kinds of different things, and that's all fantastic and everything. But Paul does this weird thing in this passage, which I love Paul, but man, Paul, come on. Take the easy route sometimes, and he doesn't. 
he could very easily describe for them what the, what the character of Christ looks like and why we should look like that. But instead, he takes this different like edge to this at this point. When we are pursuing the same Christ-like character, we experience something that Paul describes. And I think this is why it's in here, because it speaks to the unity of the body. He says this, if we will do that, then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The truth in love. Can I just comment on those two things really quickly? The first is this. A unifying mature character in Christ comes from truth. Comes from truth. The phrase speaking the truth is in another letter that Paul wrote as well in Galatians, I think chapter 3. You see it, but in these instances, it's speaking towards the word of God, teaching the word of God, scripture. We grow in character like Jesus through the truth that we find in the word of God. In the word of God. Scripture is our authority. It's our authority. We are the people of a book. Now, earlier I asked you to remember the words nourishment to mature. Nourishment to mature. What you consume dictates what you become. That's just a fact. All of us trying to do something about our diet in 2022, in these first couple weeks, know what you consume (laughs) dictates what you become, right? We know this. Anything that you and I consume or participate in that does not draw its foundation in the truth of Scripture does not produce the character of Christ in us. It is not nourishment to mature. It's a distraction, actually. It doesn't build up the body as one. For the body to be one, for us to be one as a church, for real life to be one, it comes from the truth being spoken in love, in love. Listen, the truth that we have, I don't know if you all experienced this when I was growing up, but this was the early model that I learned as a young kid. Um, We lived on this street, and every once in a while, my mom would say, shut the doors and close the blinds. The Bible thumpers are coming. Okay? And sure enough, I think they were Mormons. I don't know. I, I, who knows? All I know was my mom could smell them a mile away. And they were coming down the road, and my mom was like, shut the blinds, shut the doors, the Bible. And I mean, as soon as, shut up, everybody be quiet. Because my mom didn't want whack, okay? She didn't want to be thumped by whatever it was they were selling, all right? So I, I, that's where I learned the term Bible thumper. This truth that we have is not a hammer. Listen, listen very carefully. This is not a hammer 
It's a hand that is being extended to people as an invitation to walk towards a Savior. Not only for salvation, but Christ-like maturity. There's a reason that passages in, in 2 Timothy, all Scripture, all Scripture is useful for teaching, for growing, for sharp, for, for refining us so that we might reflect more and more the Savior that we sing about, that we pray to, that we, that we honor and glorify, that we might be more like him. Paul says, though, you know, without truth, we don't grow up. In fact, the Ephesian church is actually a featured church in the book of Revelation. And the indictment against them was that they had forsaken their first love. Their first love. They were incomplete. They, as a body, they were not functioning right because of not pursuing Christ-like character as one. Uh, you know, I need people. I don't know about you, I need people in my life who show me in the word of God where I fall short. You need that too. But we also need to remember why we're given this to begin with. We're given it because of a relationship. The word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The truth is a person. That speaks to relationship, doesn't it? Speaking the truth in love is done, listen, with an eye toward the benefit of the hearer, of the hearer and their character in Christ, their maturity. And in speaking the truth in love, that's when we grow to become that united body under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the headship of Jesus, seeking to push one another toward a Christ-like character. So that's natural questions. You know, are, are you being pushed today by the truth in love? Is that what is pushing you towards Christ-likeness, the truth in love? Uh, are you being pushed towards Christ-like character in what you are seeking nourishment from? Now, this has been kind of heavy, okay? Man, Pastor Rich, why are you so serious? I wanted to come today and be encouraged. <laughs> uh, why are you so serious? Uh, listen, I've not always been so serious. Um, can we just chat for a second? Is that okay? Uh, back when I was in college, uh, Shelly and I were dating, and uh, we were in the cafeteria one time. And, uh, man, I was in rare form. I was acting like a complete jerk. We were, we were sitting and eating, and there was a group of our friends all around us. And first, I don't know if I had too many Cokes. I don't, I don't know what was going on. I was in rare form. I was cracking jokes left and right, borderline, like, inappropriate. Uh, I was goofing around. I was throwing food. I was messing with people's drinks. You know, that was the big thing in the cafeteria. Somebody gets up, and you take the salt thing, and you pour it in their drink, and then you wait for them to drink it and all that. Just, I was just being totally goofy and, at times, inappropriate. And I was starting to kind of pick on people and, you know, those, those jabs that are kind of jokes, but I bet that hurt just a little bit kind of stuff with just this whole... And I was just kind of being the ringleader of it. And... Pretty soon, I was totally ignorant to the fact that my girlfriend, who would become my wife, was sitting right next to me, getting more and more agitated. Rich, rich, rich. Whenever I hear that, I know. Even today, rich. Okay, I got to check something. Rich, 
She's getting more and more and more agitated. And in fact, if I remember correctly, one of my friends was like, hey, man, Shelly's getting upset at you. And I totally gaslighted her. I was like, she's not upset. Trust me. She'll get over it. At which point, Shelly stood up. And if, you've met, if anybody doesn't like my wife, they have a problem. I think everybody on the planet likes my wife. She stands up, grabs her tray, bends over at me and says, you need to grow up and proceeded to leave. So here I am with all my friends having just been shamed by my soon-to-be wife telling me, you need to grow up. So what did I do? I totally took the mature route. Gave her the silent treatment for two days. Because that's what big boys do. I haven't always been serious. Here's the deal. It's hard when somebody tells you you need to grow up. It's humiliating, isn't it? All of a sudden, somebody calls you out and says, you know what? You need to grow up. Oh, Oh, I'm not a fifth grader. I'm not a kid. Or am I? The other thing that I've realized, it's kind of hard to tell people to grow up, too, because you don't know if they'll give you the silent treatment. You don't know if they're going to react poorly. It's hard to tell people, hey, you need to to knock it off. You need to grow up. So why does it seem like I'm so serious about this issue? My journey spiritually began when I was 17 years old, and that was when I gave my life to Christ. That was when I accepted forgiveness for my sin, put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Within one year of that, and I was ignorant, within one year of that, I was on a Christian college campus studying Greek, New Testament, systematic theology, the doctrine of holiness, philosophy, and I also happened to go to college in the early 90s, mid-90s, which is really during the big boom of what's called the church growth movement. That might not mean much to anybody, but boy, I tell you what, I mean, I had a course called church growth. I I was immediately thrust into this world of, all right, Rich, you're here, you say that you're called to be a pastor, we're going to teach you how to produce. And so the gas was hit. We're going to teach you how to grow a church. We're going to teach you how to build a small group ministry so that you can grow a church. We're going to teach you how to preach so that you can grow a church. We're going to teach you how to do all these things. And here's the deal, man, that lined right up with who I am. I'm a doer. I'm ready to go. And so you're telling me all of a sudden here I am, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm answering this call in my life to be a pastor. And you're teaching me how to produce, how to produce, how to lead a church, how to run a church, how to organize a church, how to do all of these things. And pretty soon in the midst of all of that, I found out that I could speak, that I, I, I had the ability to put thoughts together and connect those things together and be able to speak. And sometimes when I did speak, people would say, man, that wasn't too bad. So I get some backslaps in the midst of that. And people would encourage me and say, man, that was, that was really good. You should speak more. So people were listening to what I had to say. And all of a sudden, I was producing and I was a part of this thing going on. Okay, But here's the problem. I was like a, literally an inch deep. Literally an inch deep. Instead of being discipled, I was taught how to produce. 
And it's, listen, it's not that opportunities to go deep were not presented to me. It's not that opportunities to mature in Christ were not given to me. I was on a Christian college campus, okay? There were Bible studies being thrown at me all the time. Hey, come join our accountability group for guys, Rich, or come do this and come do that and and be a part of this. We're going to really dig into what it means to truly kind of pray. What does it mean to pray? And what does it mean to, to dig into Scripture, not just dig into Scripture to tell a whole bunch of other people what they need to do, but allow God to actually speak to your heart so that you know what you need to do and what you need to confess and repent of. I was invited to all those kinds of different things. That wasn't the issue. The issue was it was just really easy for me to fluff those things. I learned a long time ago I could pretend to be a Christian and fool a bunch of people. I could pretend to be deep and fool a bunch of people. I mean, if people congratulated me on sermons, and people came to my church, and people grew, and people thought I was funny, and, and I learned all the ways to grow a church, could plan and strategize, I must be becoming more like Jesus, right? I must be mature, but my character, or lack of it, was revealing. Instead of taking the counsel of people, including my wife, to go deep in Christian formation. Instead, I opted for the quick cover. Learn more, get more creative, rely on an outward show, but people got hurt. And I can say this today, even the church suffered because of my lack of maturity in Christ. I was a child. I was tossed back and forth, honestly trying to avoid the hard work of letting the truth actually penetrate my heart, listening to the people in my life that sometimes told me in love the things that I didn't want to hear. And I'm, I, I'm embarrassed in total transparency. I'm embarrassed that I had been a full-time pastor for a couple years before I admitted to myself and other people what was already apparent. I had equated affirmation with Christian maturity. People wanted me to be mature, <laughs> and I considered that maturity. Uh, it was malnourished. I, I, was, I, was, I was an inch deep, and it revealed itself on more than one occasion, usually with the people I was closest to, reckoning with my spiritual immaturity and lack of Christ-like character. Now, kind of serious about this because after 25 years of ministry, this ain't my first rodeo, okay? Based on my experience, based on the experiences of others, almost every single instance of church conflict, struggle, leadership breakdown, and more can be traced back to a lack of Christian maturity. All of it. Malnourishment. Other less nourishing things were chased and pursued instead of the hard, long obedience in the same direction that author Eugene Peterson talks about. Um, it's this long soul work. The daily Digging deep, going deep, allowing Christ to form you, not from the outside in, but from the inside, the deep parts out.
that change, where the hard questions are asked, where, where God is allowed to kind of till up that ground and then start pulling out those stones so that whatever is planted in you will begin to produce the fruit of the character of Christ, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against those things, there's no law. There's no law. And can you imagine, can you, can you imagine, this is the kind of a church that I wish my parents could have witnessed when they were alive. A church that truly was full of people so desperately pursuant of the character of Jesus in their own lives that what exuded from them was so foreign, so absolutely bonkers different than what they see in the world around them. There's a reason Jesus was crucified. He was in total opposite of what the world was around him. I think that would have made a difference in the lives of my parents. I'm jealous for you in this. Um, our staff is highly committed to leading you in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Our staff is highly committed, our board is highly committed to working through teams of people, working through you to create ways for all of us to have Christ-like character formed more and more in our lives. Because when that happens, the world is going to see a body united. And I get excited about that. And I, this feels like thunder being brought down right now. But I, just, I guess I want to tell you too, I get super excited every single week when I start a new week off realizing that I pastor a church that wants this. <laughs> that desires this, that craves this, that is modeling this. So there's a part of me that wants to tell you thank you. I know it probably feels like I came off as like a giant spanking or something, but I want to say thank you. Because I've met so many people in the year that I've been here who want so desperately, so desperately to grow in Christ. Let's make sure that we do it through the truth in love. The book is our source of truth. We run everything through the filter. But I want to encourage you today. I'm excited about the opportunities. Jump into a life group. There are Bible studies that are going on. Download the app. Do whatever you've got to do. But find a place to serve. Let's be one. Let's be one. As God continues to nurture in us the character of Christ. Because when that happens, all of a sudden, the culture changes. We're going to talk about that next week. The culture of the church that lives as one. That lives as one. Would you stand? I'd like to pray for us. As soon as I'm done praying, though, we're going to do something else, so don't run. Let me pray. Father, as we come before you today, I just recognize that we're all coming from different situations, different experiences, different life situations. So today, Father, I pray that you would help us, help me to seek to serve you with my whole heart, my whole life, my mind, my body, my soul, my strength, all of it, Father, directed towards one thing and one thing only, and that's being completely mature in Jesus, not lacking anything. And the amazing thing, Father, is, is, is you see me 
And you want to put in me your spirit, Father, that can produce those things. So I open up my life to your Holy Spirit today, and I pray that for all of us, that we would begin to allow your Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us and move us so that slowly but surely our character becomes more like the character of Jesus. The world will see that. The world will see that. So Father, use us to be salt and light. In the world we find ourselves in today, help us, Father, to love God, love people, and serve the world in a way, Father, that is true, that is right, that is authentic, and in a way that draws people towards you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week I introduced this to you, and I'm going to ask you if we would be able to do this again. This is kind of a benediction of sorts, but I'm going to ask you, it'll be on the screen, if you would read this out loud with me. May the bond of peace of Jesus Christ go with us as we seek to love God as one. May he guide us in humility, gentleness, and patience as we love people as we have been loved. May the compassion of Jesus Christ be in us as we serve the world in word and deed. May he bring us together again, rejoicing as his children as we live in real life with Christ. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. God bless.